host, Luke Grilly. I'm here with Sean Z again, and we brought in tonight Steve, Steve Reno Butler, to pick up the slack for Farky while he's on vacation. You might remember Steve's sweet voice from the uh, post-rookie draft. We had him on to talk Dynasty, but tonight he's filling in for Farky, and he's going to join us for the redraft fantasy football pod. So before we get to Sean, who's, who's got a touch of a cold right now, uh, Steve, how are you feeling this year? How's your fantasy teams doing this year? We're in massive rebuild mode uh, over here. One rebuild starting and one rebuild taking hold. Hmm. But I, I mean, the, the Lake Erie Irishmen are doing pretty well, though. I mean, un, un, unexpectedly very well. Three and one. We're ahead right of now, schedule. Huh? <laughs> we won't. Sean, uh, I know it's been challenging the league from the Ville. You are still seeking out that first win. Uh, what's going on? How's your How's your head feeling right now? I mean, actually fared pretty well against uh, the Monday Night Man. I actually had a shot heading into Monday Night with Demarius, but uh, Case Keenum airmailed one at the end, and had he completed that, I actually was doing some calculation and might have been able to actually nip uh, the Monday Night Man, which would have been oh so sweet, but instead 0-4, and, and I'm heading into to face Nick and Akron this week, which is always a treat facing uh, <laughs> that, you know, Degenerate. He won't, yeah, be, he won't I, I be arrogant. Get, I'm not in college mode yet. We're doing the pod later, so I don't want to, you know, R-rate this thing yet. Giving him. We a, appreciate that. He might. He might. Be, he won't be. He won't be arrogant or anything at all if he beats you, will he? Uh, no. Well, okay. here's the thing. We all got to eat some humble pie because old, old Farky uh, and his faves has taken the lead in the in the college. Pod. Oh, yikes! Yikes! You can check out our college podcast on Twitter at NEGPodCFB. As Sean mentioned, they'll be recording tonight. Tonight is Wednesday. Um, they'll be recording uh, for the upcoming week of the college football season. Uh, we're in the midst of baseball playoffs as well. I don't know if the squad, NEG pod, MLB, will be getting anything done soon. I'm, I'm assuming they will. Uh, they'll talk Tribe. They'll talk Yankees, Red Sox, all the good stuff. Uh, and, of course, you can find us on Twitter at Glory Podcast, where we talk all things fantasy football, NFL-related. On Facebook, Never Ending Glory Podcast. You can search us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. And uh, check out our blog, www.negpodcast.com. I just released today our waiver wire and trade targets. And then the Play and Fade article will be coming out uh, probably Thursday or Friday. And if we find time for it, the Thrive uh, Fantasy article will be coming out as well. But let's talk about Week 4 real quick before we dive into Week 5. Uh, obviously, a lot went on last week in the NFL. Uh, record-breaking pass production continues to just take hold of the NFL. It's ridiculous how many 400-yard uh, passers we had, 300-yard passers. Uh, that that's the the game right now. Um, you know, very pass happy. But um, one team that I felt shocked everybody, and I mentioned they are a team that you actually wanted to stream your defenses against, was the Chicago Bears. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, six touchdowns. You know, Sean, we've been dogging him for a while now. You know, what are you seeing that's going on in Chicago? Can it last? No. Complete fluke. They got Tariq in the ball. They won't have that consistent discipline. They'll continue to fall in love with plotter Jordan Howard rather than the, the dynamic player that Tariq Cohen is. Now, if they, they pivot and don't, and they actually get him the ball, then there might be a little bit of upside there, but I, I just don't believe they'll consistently do it. Now, now. Sean, why do you think that they continue to give Jordan Howard the ball and they don't utilize Tariq Cohen, or at least we've only seen one game so far? What's going Stature. on? Stature. I, I think they look at Tariq Cohen like teams used to look at Sproles and say he can't take 20 carries or 20 touch punishment, um, and they're trying to conserve. But 
you, you can't conserve when you don't know if you're going to be you know there at the end of the season and you got to try and maximize your win opportunities early on. They've kind of been sporadic in doing that, and I think the results speak for themselves. Don't don't let's not get it twisted. Tampa is a bottom five defense in the league too. They suck. Right. Yeah, and all it didn't help that Fitzpatrick, uh, you know, went back to the guy that we expected and was throwing pick after pick. So uh, he is who we thought we were. He, we, right. we did. So, Steve, you are a Trey Burton owner. Uh, you were a Allen Robinson owner until you traded him to me. Two catches for both those guys. Fortunately, both scored touchdowns, and Trey Burton had uh, two long catches, so he put up, I think, 80-some-odd yards with that touchdown. Any concerns with those two players? Really not getting a ton of volume, but you know they are still somewhat productive. Yeah, as a Trey Burton owner, I am weakly disappointed with how few targets he's getting in that offense, especially when they – they flashed to the screenshots of him being wide open in the end zone earlier in the season. Uh, so that is a concern to me. He, I think he's talented. I think he gets open more than they look at him. And I think it's just a function of the fact that Trubisky hasn't been that good. Uh, so there's a part of me that's hoping that this isn't a fluke, that he really is maybe on the upswing and that Burton might uh, reap the benefits of that. And same story for Allen Robinson. He just hasn't really gotten nearly as many targets as you would have you would have expected. Yeah, that, that, that's surprising. They've been spreading the ball around, which I guess is kind of like the Matt Nagy offense. It's really what he did in, in Kansas City, so maybe it's a product of that. But, uh, Sean, you have any takeaways from Week 4 before we get into Week 5? Uh, maybe not just specific to Week 4, but, uh, you know, a team that's probably been maligned or expected to be maligned from an offensive uh, point of view that's got some meaningful players is Baltimore, actually. Uh, both receivers – uh, I think you can get away with, obviously, Ox Collins. Now, he's got some fumbles, so you might have to kind of worry about that. And Joe Flacco's actually been, you know, a stronger QB, two, And even, you know, you could have gotten by with EM as your starter if maybe you waited, waited, waited on quarterback and went Winston and Flacco or something along those lines. So um, I think Baltimore's been sneakily impressive um, as far as what the expectation may have been with them offensively. Buffalo's been as atrocious as expected, <laughs> Minnesota game notwithstanding. And, uh, and and Jacksonville offensively, I think, has been a lot better than people have given credit for, particularly when they haven't had, Luke, your guy and the guy that I was mm-hmm. worried about preseason in Leonard Fournette. Yeah, that's been a, a fun ride to be on. Uh, I say that in all the sarcasm in the world. Uh, as a Leonard Fournette owner, I've had about – uh, what, four total quarters of, of him, and I took him uh, 11th overall? That's been real fun. So, now, here's uh, the thing. They've only trailed 15% of the time, too, which is a fascinating stat when you when you think of that. Right, right. So, Steve, you know, uh, Sean mentioned uh, your Buffalo Bills. You're in the Bills Mafia. You know, give us give us your take on, on where that team is because we've seen a very bipolar production or, or, or gameplay from this team. I don't think we've seen bipolar Gameplay. I think that we just saw. Did you see the Minnesota yeah. game? And did you see every well, other game? It was game? about one and a half quarters of fluky play in that Minnesota game. There were some fumbles back in their own end that put them in. And it was seventeen nothing all. Yeah, this and they had advantageous yeah. field position. They really didn't play as well as it it would have seemed when they when they kind of blew out Minnesota. Um, so I don't I don't know that it's been that bipolar. I think that probably eighty five percent of the time they've looked like an zero and sixteen team. And they had 15 percent of the time where they just got lucky. Uh, all right, all right. That, that's that's a, I, I appreciate that. That's a good. Uh, all right, I'll give take you guys right guesses. Who's had the most plays in the red zone, or averages the most plays in the red zone? 
and I'll give you a hint, it's not the Rams. Probably it's not because KC. they've had probably because they and KC have had um and KC's like in the bottom like right. third of that stat because they've had so many long touchdowns. Right, right. Um I'd say hmm. Cincinnati or New Orleans, maybe. That's a good one. I'd say Atlanta. So Atlanta's got 12, 12 uh red zone plays a game. The leader is New Orleans with 18.3 average red zone plays. They just have had an overabundance. Steve, you said Cincinnati, I right? I said Cincinnati uh, or New Orleans. Cincinnati's oh. had 9.8, nine yeah. so they're not even in the green wow. either. The Rams are with 13.5 just because they've scored so many damn times. And the Niners are actually tied for, sec- or tied for third with 12 with the Atlanta Falcons. Now the question is: Is how many times has the Atlanta Falcons gone to Julio Jones in the red zone, and that's well, not enough? <laughs> how about this stat? He's he's on pace for two thousand eight yards and zero touchdowns. So <laughs> as a dynasty ridiculous. owner, I'm just absolutely just ecstatic to have a once in a generation talent that also has a once in a generation ability to not score touchdowns. If we, if we could just take a moment right now for you know thirty seconds or less, Luke, public apology from you to to Sark. Uh, you've got some making up to do with him, I think. You know, uh, I, I think it, it, both Sean and I have a lot of making up to do with Sark. I don't However, have any making up to do. <laughs> Sark screwed me and made me trade Matt Jones, and now Matt Jones has went MVP Matt Jones. Matt, Matt Ryan. Matt, Matt, Ryan. Matt, Matt Ryan. Jones will never be an MVP. <laughs> no, no, that's I, true. I, um, yeah, well, there'll yeah, probably be was... another Matt Jones at some point. <laughs> that That's a question I was going to ask you later on the pod, Sean, if you regretted trading Matt Ryan. Uh, he traded him after the week one debacle. But, um, I mean, no, I, here's the thing. You know, Calvin Ridley's been a nice story. I, I get that. Six touchdowns in the past three games. I still just do not understand how you cannot get the football to Julio Jones in the red zone. I mean, the Falcons are 1-3. and three. So, yeah, their offenses look good, but they are 1-3, and three, and they're not utilizing their best weapon. So, no, I will not <laughs> apologize to Steve Skarkeesian, okay? I will tell him to take another shot of fireball and figure out a way to get Julio Jones touchdowns. Here's what I'll Simple say. Simple as that. We can, let's just go ahead and, and, and pivot to that game real quick, and then we can just table it later. If Julio Jones doesn't score this week against the Pittsburgh Steelers in what should be a shootout. Yep. He, I don't know that he's going to score a touchdown the rest of his life. <laughs> I'm dead serious. And I actually look at the Calvin Ridley thing a little glass half full. I actually think it sets up better for Julio as the season goes along because it gives a little bit more balance back to when it was Roddy White and then an, an up-and-coming Julio. So I mm-hmm. do think there's some balance opportunity there. And do I feel sorry about trading Matt Ryan? No, I don't because Matt Ryan's success, unfortunately, is directly correlated with the Zebros trading him away. <laughs> Had he still been on, he's either... Actually, he doesn't get hurt. He didn't do us that favor and get hurt. He would just keep plodding along at 11 points a week. So, so yes. Yeah, so, you are... You're the reason why all fantasy owners who own Matt Ryan should be thanking the Zebras, is what you're saying. I think that's and, fair. And Atlanta Falcons fans. All five <laughs> of them. Alright, so let's look at the other side of the ball, though. So, obviously, Atlanta's been playing well offensively. Defensively, not so much. They blew the game against Cincinnati the last second uh, last week. But Pittsburgh's been a dumpster fire as well. 1-2-1, and one, obviously they have the week one tie against the Browns. And since then, they've really struggled. You know, I think we, we heard Le'Veon Bell's coming back after the week seven bye, so that'll be week eight, he's back. You know, is 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 the Steelers' uh, lack of success a big reason why, not not why Le'Veon Bell's coming back, but is that is Le'Veon Bell not being there a big reason why they're struggling, Sean? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think... Uh... 
what Le'Veon Bell allows them to do is keep their defense off the field a little bit. It was always going to be an issue and will still be until they adequately replace Ryan Shazier, particularly in passing as and guarding where he guarded on the field and the speed that he had. He allowed that he hid a lot of issues that they have that they've not been able to recover from, um, you know, drafting TJ Watt and whomever else, notwithstanding. So I, things are not right with Pittsburgh. This is a loser leaves town match. Who I, I think the Steelers win, but here's the other factor with Le'Veon Bell. He comes back for week eight. So you're getting him for the back half of your fantasy season. You're probably, you know, at best 500 or a little bit below. You're going to be counting on him, and I'm not sure you're going to be able to count on him. I think he's not. He could say he's in shape. We've seen it enough. Look at the splits last year. We keep broken record. I don't think he produces, and I think that's a big, big issue if you're a Le'Veon Bell owner. Yeah, you and Farky mentioned that. Um, I, I think the fact that he, he will have that week seven bye to, to maybe get up to speed, uh, whatever that may be, if, if he is in the, you know, in the – in the team offices, I don't think he will be because nobody is. But if he is, maybe he'll get his shit together. I'm not sure. But, you know, Steve, James Conner, until that week seven bye. So we have two more games until that. Can he be an RB1 or has, has you know, that ship sailed? I think that ship has sailed. I don't think he's an RB1. I think he could be a solid RB2 just from a volume perspective. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure if I agree, though, that Bell coming back will help that much. Obviously, he's a great player, but... Uh, Pittsburgh's offense is still a top five offense in the league, so it's not like they're not staying on the field uh, to help that defense. The defense is just bad, and it's not going to get any better if Bell comes back. I mean, he helps a little bit, but they're just bad, and they've been bad for a while, but they're worse this year. It's a hot take right there. No, I I can see that. I can see that. But, uh, you know, this week, uh, personally, I have Big Ben as, you know, possibly a top five quarterback uh, this week against Atlanta. I'm probably going to be starting him over Patrick Mahomes in our Dynasty League. Mahomes is going up against the Jaguars. Not the best matchup. Uh, I really like Big Ben this week. Do you guys have any any other thoughts on some big plays this week for the for the Steelers? Uh, I I think every Steeler offensive player is a threat. Uh, I wouldn't want to be facing it. I know I probably am. Um, <laughs> Ricardo Allen, since he's been out for Atlanta, eight of the eleven drives non, you know, knees and and kind of victory formation or end-to-half situations, eight of the 11 have resulted in points. That's a massive statistic. That's your back-end kind of Earl Thomas for the the Quinn defense. You know, he's a a disciple of the Seahawks. That that is a tremendous loss, and I think it just continues this week. And Pittsburgh gets into the 40s. So Atlanta better match that, and I got a funny feeling Dan Quinn's going to kick a couple field goals early on to make that, <laughs> you know, really ripe. Steve, you got anything else on this game? No, same thing. High scoring. I think Julio scores two, at least two touchdowns Ooh. this week. Whoa, at least two touchdowns. Re- all right, all right, I can work with it. <laughs> all right, so Thursday night football. Uh, we'll backtrack a little bit here. My New England Patriots. They got back on, you know, the winning, uh, their winning, not spree, but winning form, championship form against the 3-0 Miami Dolphins. Uh, they won 38-7. to Offense was humming. Uh, they played Thursday night against the Indianapolis Colts. Colts come and banged up. Marlon Mack will not be playing again. And um, T.Y. Hilton will be out with a hamstring injury. So, you know, Sean, I mentioned Ryan Grant, uh, Chester Rogers, Naeem Hines is all good waiver wire targets. 
Do you see these guys replicating their success this week against the Patriots? I I don't know how you can even – I feel bad for Andrew Luck because he's actually been been fairly effective. He got a lot of shit for the Eagles game and coming off the field. But check the stats. He's actually been not old Andrew Luck because he's had to change, but he's been effective. This game is a horrible situation for him. I don't know how you can take any Colts player – even luck, you you almost are praying you have a backup that you can play. I think it's a terrible spot. It feels like a punting on the game, but they can't do it because they're one and three. Um, it, they're in a really really tricky spot here. Uh, there's no po- there's no positive to look at. I think New England gets clicking and wins this game comfortably. I also don't know that the Pats players. There's a ton here that you're going to be in love with either. Yeah, I think maybe the only player that I'm, I'm really comfortable with is Sonny Michel. Uh, we saw him break out 25 carries, 112 yards, and touchdown last week. So finally giving us that RB2 production we were hoping for. Um, you're right, Josh Gordon still not up to speed fully, I don't think. Rob Gronkowski might see uh, limited run just because of that ankle injury, and, and really the Pats don't need him. You know, then there's James White, who I think will be productive. And then you might have sneaky guys like Philip Dorsett, Chris Hogan, and then obviously Brady. Uh reaping benefits of, of throwing to those receivers. So, uh, you know, Sean, uh, Steve, do you have any other thoughts on the wide receivers or right, running backs for the Pats? Uh, not for the Pats. I mean, I do think there's going to be a little bit of an early overreaction to the Sony Michelle stuff. I don't think he's getting 25 carries every game. Uh, however, if they're blowing out the Colts like they think they, they will, he probably will get that this week. Uh, for the same reason, though, I like Hines for the Colts. The Colts are going to be playing catch-up all day long. Luck's going to throw 50-plus times. And that team is lacking any any target hog other than Hines. He's he's kind of the new James White maybe. So I like Hines, and I think Sony does get twenty three to twenty five carries this week. I think Jacoby Brissett maybe plays in the third quarter is where third I, quarter is huh? where I'm thinking. And here's the thing: if Josh Gordon plays, you know, less than twenty five percent this week. I think you have to start having some little bit of warning flags there too. Uh, maybe I mean he he was still doing uh, really just running nothing but slant routes last week. Um, I, I think they're still trying to get him acclimated to the system, and they're not trying to push him too much. And let's not forget we have Julian Edelman coming back too, which is going to open up the offense a lot for the Patriots. So um, you know. I guess maybe I'm talking myself into the Patriots go up big early on this one, uh, you know, and they go up 38 nothing or something like that. But, uh, you know, I, I will say this to your point about Andrew Luck. We are starting to see vintage Andrew Luck. Second week this year, he's thrown for over 50, uh, 50 pass attempts. Shows that shoulder is healthy. Maybe he can't go as deep as he used to, but I think that he's he's on his way back if he isn't back all the way now, though. But uh, it's going to be an interesting game Thursday night. Obviously, um, you know, Thursday night games are always hit or miss. You never know what's going to go on, whether it's going to be uh, a poo-poo platter of a game or an amazing game like we saw with the Rams and Vikings last week. So uh, we'll wait and see how that goes. Obviously, we're recording on Wednesday, so uh, when you listen to this, the game will be about to kick off. So um, let's move on to the next game. Baltimore Ravens at your Cleveland Browns, Sean. Browns, you know, you did a State of the Browns podcast. You guys did a great job of just uh, breaking down um, the robbery and the, the just a disgusting display of, of refereeing in the NFL. But uh, what's your take on this game as, as the Ravens travel to Cleveland? Well, I think it's got potential to be a turning point in the season, positive or negative. Uh, I think most Browns fans are kind of a little bit pessimistic or looking at this glass half empty. So I think you have to be leery of that 
and performances there. That said, we do have Baker. It's going to be fascinating to see what he does against this Baltimore defense who adds Jimmy Smith back into the mix and, and how they're going to gel. I think the crowd's going to kind of you know, help pump up the, the morale and the mood a little bit. And I don't think Hugh is going to be able to pull some of the nonsense that he pulled, you know, the fourth down call and some of his ineptitudes to go along with those referees. I know Reggie got on me this afternoon just because there was uh, multiple calls that I have been seemingly posting every day saying about how we got robbed. But uh, we do have to put that behind us. It's going to be interesting to see how the team reacts to it. From a fantasy perspective, we've got some guys dinged up. It just has a little bit of a potential here. I think Mayfield's a start, particularly if you got buys. Hyde's a, Hyde's a start, Landry. Uh, but other than that, they're they're going to wean Callaway back a little bit. Njoku can't be trusted. And this is a tough spot for the Browns' D, too, as, as I mentioned. I think they've got a couple guys, receivers, that, that could cause us some fits. Terrence Mitchell, Mitchell's out, so that second receiver, and they'll move those guys interchangeably. Uh, for Baltimore, both those guys could could see a lot of volume. So I think um, it's a tough spot, and uh, I'm not overly optimistic, but I'll be there in attendance, and maybe I'll get enough liquid courage that I'll take the Browns by 40. <laughs> are, are we are we buying the talk of Chubb eating into Hyde's workload? I, I wouldn't, because when he's on the field, he's not going to catch a pass, and he can't pass pro or doesn't know and pick up everything. And when you've got a rookie quarterback – you just can't position him that way. I do feel like they got Duke the ball too much or tried to get him the ball too much. Maybe you see Chubb get maybe a carry or two, three maybe extra uh, that would have went to Duke, which I'm fine with. But Hyde was effective and above average. He was far from the issue of the problem yeah. um, and really offensively wasn't the problem at all. So I think it's pumped the brakes. You've got to see a lot more of Chubb before uh, – before you can start reaping the benefits. And I know you probably say that all the time to yourself, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're on to me. Uh, Steve, Baltimore Ravens, you know, we've seen the wide we, – we talked about the wide receivers a little bit, so let's not take too too much time. But we saw these brand-new wide receivers, John Brown, Michael Crabtree, and Willie Snead kind of step up and, and be uh, players for this, this Baltimore Ravens squad. Do you have any faith in starting them weekly now? I really don't. The Ravens are an interesting team. Sean stole the thunder a little bit earlier, but I think they're a top-five team in the league right now, yet they have no player that I would confidently start in a fantasy format. Uh, you never know which receiver is going to be the one that steps out on a, on, a, on a given week, and seemingly every week Alex Collins seems like a great play, and every week he lets us down. So there is no Ravens offensive player outside of maybe Flacco at this point that I have any confidence starting on a weekly basis. Crabtree can't seem to catch the ball. Uh, Brown's probably the most reliable choice out of out of those three receivers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's a crab shoot every week. I mean, both all three guys are pretty much getting similar uh, target share too. I mean, they're getting about six to seven targets a game. Uh, you mentioned Michael Crabtree seems to be the guy who is not on the outside looking in, uh, but John Brown has, has really taken over as number one wide receiver there, which is a good a good story to see because of his issues with sickle cell um, or issues with sickle cell growing, uh, throughout the past few years with, with the Cardinals after a, a pretty solid rookie season. So uh, hopefully he can stay healthy, and hopefully you picked him up on your fantasy squads. But let's pivot to the Green Bay pa- or the Denver Broncos traveling to New York to play the Jets, fellas. Case Keenum sucks. Uh, Sean, you alluded sucks. to it. You alluded to it in the opening that 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 miss to Demarius Thomas is the reason why you didn't win your game against your brother. 
not only was that an issue, but he just he can't hit his receivers, and he's pretty much Trevor Simeon, except for the fact that Trevor Simeon got sacked every other time he dropped back, whereas Case Keenum can at least get away from the 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 cover or the the defenders, but he can't get the ball to his receivers. So, is there any way that Case Keenum can can save the fantasy value of Demarius Thomas or Emmanuel Sanders? Demarius, I don't. I'm not sure because honestly, I think Keenum. I'd have to see the stats. I feel like he gets time from the the two and a half games that I've watched of him. Um, I, I just I think he sucks. I think that that's all it boils down to. He's a rich man's AJ McCarron. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. But I will say this: I actually saw Philip Lindsay play for the first time. Uh, obviously, I, I saw the stats and and saw how how dynamic his numbers came out to be, but I never actually saw him play. Finally got to see him play, and that dude's slippery. He's good. Uh, I like him a lot. I think he's a perfect compliment to... How the hell did he go undrafted? I don't know. I don't know. Some of these running backs that get drafted fifth, sixth round, it's baffling. Like, I I agree with you. He's solid. Like, that's that's an eight-year type guy. Yeah, and they got Royce Freeman who who does the part as well. I mean, he he does a great job of of the hammer. You know, your typical thunder and lightning. Um, this is what they have right now. Devontae Booker's an afterthought. You know, and it just goes to our point. We we dog the uh, the teams like the Giants who take Saquon Barkley second overall. How about you use a third round pick and a guy that you got undrafted who are going to be as productive as a guy who takes second overall? It's incredible. So, yeah. Anyways, um. Let's go to the Green Bay Packers at Detroit Lions. Steve, you know, I've been telling people to trade Aaron Rodgers for weeks now. I just think the guy's banged up. He still has name appeal. Uh, do you agree or disagree with that strategy? I see where you're coming from on it, but I wouldn't do it myself. Rodgers is too good. Uh, by the end of the season, he's going to find his groove. Uh, he's got some decent players around him. Adams is a legit number one receiver. Uh, Jimmy Graham, they, he's going to put up better numbers as the year goes on. So I wouldn't trade him now, especially uh, if his his value isn't probably at its peak right now. I'd hang on. I'd hold. Okay. I I, I just think that that knee injury is going to be nagging all year, and we've seen how his mobility is really what makes him the great player that he is, and he, he's just simply lacking that right now. So, you know, I'm off, I'm off Aaron Rodgers. But a guy that I am on – that came out very Whoa. poorly. Whoa. Um, a player, a player that I like. How about that? Is Carryon Johnson and Sean? Why does Matt Patricia and Jim Bob Cooter continue to give the ball to the Garrett Blunt when they have Carryon Johnson on the roster, who is just a far more dynamic player? I guess you're trying to save him, but you're not going to be a playoff team unless you play Carryon Johnson now, uh, and namely in that Cowboys game, which they just went ahead and gave away. So. Uh, to answer your question, I have no reasonable idea. It's just <laughs> utter stupidity uh, other than trying to save him for the off season because that's what they're heading towards. <laughs> yeah, I, it makes no – I mean, obviously, Matt Patricia comes from the Belichick tree, and, and Belichick is, is uh, preaches multiple running backs in their system. But when a guy is just significantly outplaying the other guy – Well, and that guy, hand. let's be honest, Blunt is done. Like no, stick he's, yeah. him. he's just done. Yeah. He's terrible. And if, and if Sony Michelle didn't didn't play well for the Pats this week, I'd say you know do everything you can to to reach out to Matt Patricia and see if you can uh, make a trade for 
for uh, Legarrette Blunt, but that that ship has sailed. What so, about uh, what about uh, Aaron Jones? Is this the is this the week where he takes over for the Packers? I think he kind of took over last week. But Sean, you guys are Jones. The the, the Zebros are, are a Jones family or a Jones uh, <laughs> fan we're, club. What, what are your thoughts? You would think, but Mike McCarthy is a truly, truly, utterly baffling and borderline incompetent man. And Aaron Rodgers touched on it after the game and either the day after the or in the post game. They just have consistently found a way not to get the ball to guys that very clearly have and are rolling in the given game. And it used to be issues back when Randall Cobb was younger, when Ty Montgomery a couple years ago. Now it's Geronimo Allison and Devontae Adams, both studs. They don't get Alex on the ball nearly enough or try and find ways, and Aaron Jones is right there with those guys. He's averaging six-plus yards a carry, and they're facing Detroit. He was giving up 160 yards a game on the Ex- ground. His explosive plays are like top five in the league for running backs when, when you kind of condense it down to the sample size you know, relative to how many times he touches it. Like All of the metrics scream out, but I don't think Mike McCarthy does anything but read the, the comics. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and another guy who I think could have a big role this week, because you mentioned Geronimo Allison, who, who might be missing this game with the concussion. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling is the the next man up for the Packers. Mike McCarthy, uh, Sean's favorite, just said that uh, he's the next guy up, and he expects to have a bigger role if uh, Allison can't go. So if you're looking for a wide receiver this week and you're in a pinch, i definitely say pick up a guy like Valdez-Scantling, and that could turn into a fantastic pickup you for got, you. I'll put it this way. you got to be in a big-time pinch because I'm not sure how many snaps he's going to get. I just, well, who else? I got Randall Cobb's out. I mean, I, I, just, I think it's a stay away from, from Green Bay. I, I just I think you look out. Okay. Yeah, okay. That's fair. That's fair. I think it's a good matchup with the Lions. Um, obviously, a, a NFC North. Game. I'd rather you, I'd, you're better off taking a stab at one of the Colts receivers. Oh, okay. All right. No, I mean the, the Patriots defense is, is not ideal. They're not they're not great. They had a great game in week four, uh, coming off of coming off of a, a short week. I could definitely see that. So um Jacksonville Jaguars heading to Kansas City. We mentioned that Leonard Fournette is out again. They've already ruled him out. They might be ruling him out for week six. I'm not sure how long he's gonna be out just because uh the Jags buys week nine, so it's a little bit too long to hold him out for. But uh, not ideal for Fournette owners like myself. But, you know, what are you doing this week, Sean, with a guy like Patrick Mahomes going against the Jacksonville Jaguars? Obviously, we've had Mahomes, Cream Hunt, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, who practiced today, even though he missed most of the Monday night game with a bad hamstring, and uh, Tyreek Hill. I mean, are you starting all these guys against the Jacksonville Jaguars? Well, I think it's dependent on who your backup is to be to be honest, I'm not sure I like this Pat Mahomes spot. Short week, Jaguars defense, they take this that shit super personal. Um, I don't love the spot. I actually didn't like Pat Mahomes in Denver. He didn't wow me as much as everybody else. I actually thought it was more symptomatic of Case Keenum not getting first downs and keeping him maybe a little bit at bay. Had they done that, he doesn't win the game and get all this publicity. It becomes, a, oh, he's back down to earth a little bit, and then he faces this vaunted Jaguars defense. So uh, if you've got other options, I'd probably stream that way than, than Mahomes. But if you don't, then you just you kind of you know ride the one that got you where you are thus far, which is probably at the top of your league. 
No, and I actually I I agree that I really thought I was not impressed by Patrick Mahomes whatsoever. I thought that he, he makes a one a, he makes a left handed throw and then two yep. late touchdowns. I mean, exactly. let, let's let's call spade a spade. Denver was a little bit gassed defensively, and it was mainly because Keenum couldn't hit some of the completions that he, that he left on the field. But going to Denver though, Denver's a really tough place to play for an opposing team, so you got to give him credit for that. But you're right. I, I agree that he was not this this all world guy that he's been for the first three weeks and weeks. Well, and how about this hot teeth, hot take, Steve? It's tougher to come back then and play after you play a Monday night game in Denver too. Yeah, and another hot take is uh, this just in: <laughs> Mahomes is not throwing sixty touchdown passes this year. Which is the the pace no? that he's on? So no way. He's gonna revert no. to some sort of a of a mean here, where he's gonna have to come back down to earth at some point. And I think we saw a little bit of that in Denver, and I think we're gonna see it again this week. Just so just so all the listeners know, Steve loves math and stats, loves it. So he's gonna be he's gonna bring out those stats as much as possible. How am I doing so far? Fantastic, <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> all right, let's move on. Miami Dolphins headed to Cincinnati. Steve, the Red Rocket, your fellow Ginger, is he is he a legit QB one, or when is he going to fall back down to earth? I think he's legit, and I say that after years and years of dogging him because we all know red haired athletes have never accomplished anything, myself included. Uh, <laughs> uh, Brian Scalabrini's yeah, on the ring. He's the best one. That says it all right there. Uh, <laughs> but he's just he's been incredible, and that offense is humming, and the emergence of uh, Tyler Boyd. Um, has been, I guess I didn't see it coming, but he's he looks like a legit uh, wide receiver for them. He actually has more targets than A.J. Green, and he's converting them. So uh, the offense is moving. I don't know if the Eifert injury will, will have an impact or not, but I, I foresee him continuing on this path the rest of the season. Tyler Board, I feel like, has been a bit of a poor man's Adam Thielen. Hot take, thoughts? Just from a target volume perspective, maybe. Yeah. I think there's legitimacy there. I think this is the last year of AJ Green, top four rounds. Okay, yeah, and, and I mean AJ Green's been one of those guys I've always hated taking early on in drafts because he just seems to have those random twenty thirty point weeks and then follow it up with two to three weeks of just mediocre production. But that could be a product of Andy Dalton. But if they finally figure it out, then maybe uh, you know we'll start to see some consistent well, um, you know fantasy production. Well, honestly, fans. if you take away that uh, first quarter of the the Ravens Bengals game, Boyd's been their wide receiver one, not Green. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's true. Very true. And a, a guy that we saw um, celebrate one of the touchdowns, I forget, I forget which one it was. It might have been the game winner, but uh, Joe Mixon ran on to and tackled AJ Green in the end zone uh, with his knee all wrapped up. He's going to be back for this this matchup apparently, and if he's back, you know he was a legit low end RB one before he got hurt. Uh, if he's fully healthy, you know I, I like him as a start. I'm not going to say he's definitely going to be back to being that that RB one form, uh, but I, I think he's a very good start for you this week against Miami. And another sneaky play I like, I picked up Tyler Croft in our league, Sean. Uh, I'm, I have Tyler uh, Trey Burton owner, and he's on a buy this week. Desperate need for a tight end. With Tyler Eifert being out, I think Tyler Croft could be a, a solid play. Last week or last season, he had a few games where he put up TE1 numbers. He could potentially do that again. So I like him there. Sean, is there anybody at all on Miami that you trust and you like this week? No. No. Because Adam Gase is 
can be a little bit of a bitch, and uh, if he doesn't <laughs> like what he sees, he's going to yank Kenyon Drake. He'd be the only one that I maybe uh, saw some interest in. But other than that, there's just zero consistency. I, Stills has maybe been their other player this year uh, to go with Drake, but and he's probably actually been their best. But I think as Hill showed last week, you still can't trust him. Off the top of your head, Sean, guess how many touches Kenyon Drake has had the past two weeks? 18. 11. 11. He had three carries last week and one reception. Uh, and the week before, he had five carries for three yards and two receptions. So, so he Adam must. Gase is a Frank bit. Gore. He Frank must Gore have. Time. Yeah. yeah, Frank Gore outplayed him. I actually could have made a move for Frank Gore last week. I'm like, no, I want Wendell Smallwood instead. That worked out real well for me. I was real pumped about that. But, uh, um, yeah, I don't trust anybody in Miami. I thought Danny Amendola would have a bigger role. He doesn't. Um, I do like, you know, some of their speedy receivers. Uh, uh, the short guy who scored two touchdowns two weeks ago. I'm losing. I'm, Grant. I can't think of his name. Yes. Grant. Uh, Jakeem Grant. I, I was hoping they would try to use him as a Tyree Kill type, but he did absolutely nothing against the Patriots. Albert Wilson is just a nobody. Devontae Parker sucks. I've been done with him for years. Um, so I don't like anybody in Miami. I'm actually not looking forward to this game whatsoever. But, um, you know, let's see if Andy Dalton can keep it up. But another game, the next game I am kind of looking forward to is the Giants going to Carolina. Panthers coming off a bye. You know, the Giants struggle to get the running game going. Saquon Barkley really has been getting his production in the passing game. Uh, the offensive line continues to struggle. So Carolina's been one of my favorite streaming teams uh, this week against the Giants. But I think Cam Newton has a chance to be a top three quarterback this week. Tell me how I'm wrong, Sean. You're not. I've got Cam in a league. I think he's actually in the top five MVP thus far and you know the, the homes and golf get all the headlines but cam's been ab- absolutely outstanding uh mccaffrey been great and uh i i think you're gonna see a guy like dj moore and some of their weapons on the outside start to get more and more value as the season goes along steve what are your what's your take on the panthers or the uh the giants here well, the Giants can't stop the run, and the Panthers run all day long. So I don't think it's good news for the Giants. I think this should be a pretty big game for both Cam and McCaffrey. Uh, I like them both as, as uh, top-end talent for, for the week. And I think Carolina, the Carolina defense might also uh, be a play as well. I think Carolina wins this one big. I agree. If you've got week five and you've got – uh, the under over on when Odell Beckham blows up and you got it at five and a half. <laughs> I think you're circling this game right here <laughs> at about the six minute mark in the third quarter. And I would hide the kicking nets. That's all. <laughs> now, Sean, real quick, the one the one thing that I, want, I don't want to say frustrates me about um, Christian McCaffrey, but it just shocks me or, or puzzles me about Christian McCaffrey is you look at his numbers. So, in week one, he had ten rushes, six catches. Okay, that's fine. Whatever. That, that's pretty, pretty, pretty even split. They probably didn't use him enough. Week two, eight rushes, fourteen catches on fifteen targets. Okay, so they're going to really utilize him more like an Alvin Kamar. That makes sense. The next week, twenty-eight rushes, one hundred eighty-four yards, and then two catches on two targets. I mean, is it going to be hit or miss on McCaffrey in the pass game each week, or do you just think it's going to be game flow dictated? The fact he had one hundred fifty some yards rushing. No, I'm, I not, think, I'm not. I think, no. I think Cam is looking at the look of the front seven and then the safeties and making a run run pass read 
and either way, Christian McCaffrey's getting the ball. Uh, so right. I think you know they they're not bringing C.J. Anderson in. It's he's the total bell cow. If it's redraft, how the hell does does Christian McCaffrey go further than four in a redraft right now? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, if you redraft right now, you're looking at Gurley. No, you're uh, looking Kamara Gurley. Yeah, Kamara Gurley, um, and then Zeke and Christian McCaffrey. I'd probably take Christian McCaffrey over Zeke. I, I would too, but I would say at least because Zeke's not gotten the catches and the touchdowns yet that have been able to kind of surpass what you you know the production from a Christian. Well, that's McCaffrey. the problem. McCaffrey right. hasn't scored, but he's got what he's got. 30 catches practically already. 22 catches, and he's got 30, 46, 46 uh, rushes. So he's got, yeah, he's got the touches. He's got the production. He'll get in the end zone. But, no, I, I see your point, uh, Steve. You know, maybe in a non-PPR league, obviously his value is not as yeah, high. it's diminished. Uh, but, I'll give you that. Yeah. Um, all right. So, you know, Giants, poo-poo platter. That team stinks. Uh, Sean and, and your brother, you guys are going to win your money on betting the, the under on that one for total wins. But speaking of a turd sandwich of a game, no offense, Steve. Tennessee Titans at Buffalo Bills. This is one of those games where you're going to forget it even happens, I feel like, and red zone will never cut to it on Sunday. Now, Steve, give me something to believe in with with either of these teams on Sunday. Well, I'm going to remember the game happens because I watch every excruciating <laughs> minute of these games. Uh, there's really nothing nothing to look forward to if you're a Bills fan. The Titans will <laughs> win this game handily, and I think uh, both Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis are both going to have big days. Uh, as the Titans are up early and the Bills can't do anything on either side of the ball, I think Derrick Henry. I think Derrick Henry needs to go go away. Well, I think he sucks. I know he's... There was one. There was one play last week where he just he got the ball. I, I think it was just a rush. He he just literally got the ball and fell down. <laughs> he fell down. He is not a good running. Well, back. he may still go for seventy five yards and a touchdown against the Bills. So you got to put. Him, you got to play. Yikes. Him. <laughs> uh, Sean, give me something about this game. Anything. Uh, not only do we have the Giants under, we also have the Bills under. So sorry about that, Steve. <laughs> but uh, to say that I'm counting my money would be an understatement. I think I've already spent it on a nice, you know, recliner for the for the man cave downstairs, and then a, a maybe a, a nice remodel um, and a bathroom wow. down in the put basement a, as well. Put a lot of money on this, huh? Jeez. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Is there time on this uh, to talk about what the Bills are going to do with the number one overall pick? <laughs> oh, I I think it's. It's Nick Bosa, or it's a fire sale for the Giants, who are going to be at like the fourth pick, and then they take uh, Ed Oliver instead of Nick Bosa, and then they get the Giants' next six first rounders <laughs> as they take Justin Herbert. Because we didn't touch on on Eli, but that dog is dead, and they can yeah. put it out back in old Yeller's son of a bitch because he is <laughs> finito. <laughs> All right, Oakland Raiders. They are traveling to Los Angeles to play the Chargers, a team that has no home fans whatsoever. Um, Phillip Rivers should be, a again, one of those top-tier quarterbacks this week. But then again, I thought the same thing against the 49ers last week, but I feel like the 49ers might have a sneaky good defense. Uh, is this the game where Keenan Allen breaks out, Sean? No, but it's 38-17. That's the game. I think Rivers, Gordon, Eckler – Gates maybe sneaks a touchdown. I think Mike Williams gets back into the fold after a pitiful week last week. Uh, Just the Chargers go absolutely crazy against the Raiders and kick the absolute piss out of them. What do we have to do to get Mike Williams more targets on a weekly basis? (laughs) It's killing me. You know what? You hope Keenan Allen 
gets hurt more than no. he, he's already dinged up a little bit. He's always dinged up. But uh, Steve is a staunch supporter of Mike Williams and taking him at a discount last year in our in our dynasty league. Uh, you know, Steve, do you think that he could be an every week wide receiver two, wide receiver three within the next few weeks? I have to hope so. I mean, from a talent perspective, <laughs> just watching him play, he looks like a stud to me. He needs more usage, but for whatever reason, he's not getting it. So I'm not sure if I can trust it yet, but I, I believe that he should, and I believe eventually they have to give in to the fact that he's talented and they need more talent on the field at wide receiver. I see, and, and, like, low-end Alshon Jeffrey as far as production right now. Right now. But I agree with you. Talent-wise, he's he's up there, if not better. But something's amiss there, and I don't know if it's still the re- the residual back injury or whatnot, but something's still a little like, off. Like, how could you how well, could you weekly put Tyrell Williams out there ahead of Mike, ahead of Mike Williams? <laughs> how could you do that? I agree. I agree, especially after spending a first-round pick yeah. on Mike Williams. I think that's that's the big thing. But, uh, you know, we're also seeing, too, uh, you know, Travis Benjamin is hurt, so I think that helps Mike Williams. Uh, that, that takes a few targets away from, from you know, Phil Rivers going elsewhere. So I, I do think that this is a big week for Mike Williams. I think he makes it back. You know, I, I started him last week. Didn't work out very well. I was pretty frustrated with his lack of production. But uh, I think the writing's on the wall that he will be a weekly start, you know, sooner rather than later for your fantasy squads. Uh, and on the Oakland side of the ball, Mario Cooper had a big game. He balled out. Jordy Nelson played decent against the Browns. But, you know, Sean, you watched that Browns game. With Amari Cooper, was that just a product of the Browns struggling to stay up with him? Or is, is Amari fi- finally figuring it out again? No. Amari's not figuring out. Jordy Nelson was flukish. Uh, he's a glorified tight end. He plods and is not fast. Uh, so I actually have to kind of follow back with what Farkey said uh, maybe a couple weeks ago on the pod. Um, that was a total fluke. The defense crapped their pants. It's 28-14, and if we run the ball rather than turn it over and give them a, a touchdown, Cook's the guy to have for Oakland. Um, but, no, there's take nothing away from those stats there was a lot of emptiness there, and I don't know what the hell we were doing on a soft, soft cover two throughout the whole second half. Jared Cook's emergence has been one of the most interesting things, I think, of the 2018 season so far because that guy has been nothing but mediocre his whole career, and now he's the number one tight end in fantasy football. Had a Kelsey, had a Gronk, Ertz, all these yeah. guys. So It's uh, why I, fantasy I, sucks. I tell you this all the time, Luke. <laughs> all right, speaking of suck – Arizona Cardinals at the San Francisco 49ers. That means we're going to see Josh Rosen going up against C.J. Beathard. You know, if that doesn't put asses in the seats, I don't know what will. Yeah, um, I don't have anything to add. Den- Derek John- or D- Derek- Derek- David Johnson. David. There you go. Um, that's it. He's the only meaningful kind of player to watch in this game. Everybody else is garbage. Fun fact, Matt yep. Bryda is number three in the NFL in rushing yards. That is a fun fact. It's unbelievable. Is it fun? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, though, uh, he was a guy that I traded immediately after Jimmy G went down. Uh, you know, he definitely did play well the first few weeks when, when Garoppolo was healthy. But I just don't trust Beathard to run that team uh, efficiently and effectively. And, I, and as much as I want to believe in Kyle Shanahan's offense, it still comes down to the quarterback. And if the quarterback sucks, the running game is going to struggle. And, uh, you know, Matt Breida, I just, he was a good sell candidate for me. Uh, after the Garoppolo injury. If, Matt, right, if Matt Breida stays in the top five uh, of the whole league, is that 
a bigger accomplishment than when <laughs> I correctly stated that Chris Ivory led the AFC in rushing three years ago, and Luke said, no, there's no way, and then I sent it to him, and he literally led the AFC in rushing three you know or four what? years ago. And you know Which what? one I is actually, more insane? This, this might be I, more the insane. The everything is insane. This might be more insane Chris because Brida no. has half the carries of everybody else on this top ten list. He's averaging like eight point some yards per carry. I will say this. I was so confident, though, Sean, that I bet my first-round pick that um, that that you were wrong. And you should have taken it, but actually you shouldn't have because you would have got Leonard Fournette, which was worked out for absolutely nobody. So. Well, um, yeah, yeah. I would have taken McCaffrey. Uh, damn it. He was there. Son of a bitch. Oh. <laughs> You're right. Fantasy sucks. All right. Uh, Los Angeles Rams at Seattle Seahawks. This will be a fun game. Seattle's defense really is a shell of what they used to be. Uh, but they'll be playing at home, so that, that's a little bit of feather in their cap. However, you, you, you start your guys on on uh, the Rams. You start Jared Goff, Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, Todd Gurley, Cooper Cup, who I foolishly sat last week. Um, Doug Baldwin was back, though, last week. So, Sean, you traded for Doug Baldwin. You know How confident do you feel in him uh, coming back this week and, and playing well? Oh, I, I feel he's going to play well because they're going to be getting the shit kicked out of him. And I think he's got, you know, seven catches for 80 yards in, you know, a lot of that in the second half and might sneak a touchdown too. So, um, yeah, my, my angle on this is that Seattle's going to get throat punched in this game. See, I was hoping you'd say that he would suck so I could uh, just the rip price, Steve the in a trade. The price just went up after the, the Sean Z take. Well, yeah, oh, I mean, wow. my record, if it's been any type of endorsement there, <laughs> you should be dumping him ASAP. <laughs> yeah, Steve, I mean, you're, you're a talent, uh, Doug Baldwin owner. Um, you know, how's that ride been this year? How confident are you that he'll stay healthy for the rest of the season? Well, staying healthy or playing, those are two different things. I don't think he's going to be healthy, but I think he's going to play. Uh, and as long as he's Will playing, you... he's getting targets, and he's going to put up some numbers. So he'll be. So you think he'll be productive? I no think. He'll, I think okay. he'll be. Productive. That's fair. Now the one thing that's really going to be a thorn in our side all year, and and Farkey has alluded to this on every pod he's been on in the past six months. Uh, Sean is the running back situation <laughs> in. You know, Mike Davis. I don't know where Chris Carson's. Let, a, a let's just let's just frame it this way. Let's let's save it for next week because if Mike Davis gets burned this week, Farky could have an epic rant, and I hate to step on any potential areas that he could venture with it. <laughs> All right, so we'll just we'll just leave it at this: is that we'll stay away we'll from put the, that the, the thing on the simmer burner in the back. There you go. So we say stay away from any single <laughs> Seahawk running back until we can get the full the Farky only reaction. The Seahawk player you're playing is Russell. Or there's two of them, Russell Wilson, and even then you've got to be pretty damn desperate. Yeah, don't play or him. you just are stuck with them. And Baldwin. Those are, in my opinion, the only two guys. The Rams go buck Everybody. crazy. Let's start the uh, Cooper Cup Hall of Fame talk now as well oh, while we're here. Oh, God. Oh, God. Another, <laughs> another guy that you're in love with. Another guy that he's in love with. I love it. All right. Um, so we have the Minnesota Vikings going to the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, rematch of the NFC Championship. Kirk Cousins continues to just be a fantastic ad, even if the uh, the Vikings lost that last game. But Adam Thielen, four games in a row, 100 yards receiving. Everybody said that they could see some regression because Kirk Cousins doesn't get the ball downfield, but he's shown that he can get the ball downfield, as both him and Diggs have been fantastic this year. But um, – 
Sean, you know, we saw Carson Wentz play well. Uh, do you think he's going to continue to play well against a Minnesota team whose defense has looked pretty mediocre the past two weeks? Yeah, actually, I think this is a shootout here. The only thing that could halt it is the Phillies' front seven. I think Minnesota right now is a mess. They've got injuries. Everson Griffin is a major loss. And back-end-wise, their second corner, their safeties, Zendeo, they've just been utterly horrible other than, than Rhodes and Harrison Smith. They get picked on. I think the Eagles have the right personnel to be able to do that with their tight ends. And then Jeffrey back. Um Minnesota's got to find a way to match Philly scoring in this one. I see something in the high 20s, low 30s. Um, yeah, and, and this is a big matchup for Minnesota to try and make the playoffs. Or for Philly, do they keep regressing into the middle of the pack and put themselves in a position where, you know, they start to go into a Washington-Dallas, you know, kind of trio there where, you know, a loss to or a couple losses to one of them and all of a sudden they're on the outside looking in come into the season for a team that is way too talented to be to be there. Agreed. Uh, Butler, you are a you've been trying to pawn off Latavius Murray to me uh, in trade talks. You know, is that because you want to screw me or is that because you actually think Dalvin Cook might be, uh, you know, dealing with a, a long term injury here? It's a combination of those two factors. Mainly, I just want to screw you, um, especially after when Cook was out and Murray was not the top uh, ball carrier. They had the Boone, the Boone guy was in there getting the carries. So I don't know what the deal is with Murray, but I do think Cook is often injured, and I don't think he's going to always get all the workload, even when he's healthy, in an effort to try to keep him healthy. So Murray should have value, but for whatever reason, he's not getting the usage that you'd think he would. Yeah, I was surprised by that. I thought he'd be a great start last week, but he really did absolutely nothing. Uh, when Dalvin, actually, two weeks ago, when um, well, that was against the um, your Buffalo oh. Bills, where they where Bills jumped up to a 17 point lead. But uh, I'm going to continue though to to yell from the rooftops. Adam Thielen's a better wide receiver than Stephon Diggs. I know Steve. We went back and forth a little bit on on the Twitter machine. Uh, you mentioned that you know maybe in non PPR leagues you take Diggs over over Thielen, but you know where do you stand today with those two? I will concede uh, in a PPR <laughs> league, but my point has always been the touchdowns. Thielen, Thielen doesn't get the touchdowns, and Diggs does. They've, they're, getting, they're both getting a massive amount of targets. Um, are you at a railroad or something like that? What the hell are you doing, Steve? <laughs> well, I'm just in my, in my, uh, <laughs> in my uh, backyard here. You are, are you a hobo <laughs> or something like that? You're trying to well, pick a rider? Well, tough here in uh, northeast Ohio, but... <laughs> Well, you are a Bills That's fan, right. so. That's true, yeah. You might be taking the Michael Scott train declaring bankruptcy. <laughs> Actually, I don't know. What... All right. Um, it's really loud. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the uh, Dallas Cowboys versus the Houston Texans right now. Um, <laughs> Zeke finally got it going. We, we called that last week. Uh, he had about 100, over 180 yards from scrimmage, scored a touchdown and a nice reception. Dak finally got going, uh, threw for over 200 yards for the first time in a long time. Uh, and the Houston Texans were able to to get the win just because Frank Reich made a asinine call in overtime on on fourth down instead of punting it through the ball, uh, did not get the first down, and then uh, Houston ended up scoring the game-winning touchdown. But, you know, Sean, we're starting to see DeAndre Hopkins and Deshaun Watson click again. Uh, Will Fuller scored a touchdown again, but he unfortunately hurt his hamstring. So that allowed Kiki Kuti, a rookie third-round pick, to step up, have 11 catches for over 100 yards. 
I picked him up in the league from the Ville. I'm considering him as my wide receiver three this week. You know, is that in PPR leagues? Is he an option if Will Fuller's out? Uh, I suppose he is. I, I don't know what to make of this Houston offense. I they, they get a lot of their points in the back half of games when they're significantly trailing. When the games are close, they don't seem to have the type of stats that you like or the, the consistent type of flow uh, that you want a true point-pounding roster to be doing. So uh, I'd be leery um, of, of kind of one-week wonder, especially from a usage and just total volume. Uh, and, and maybe a little bit of, of more normalcy uh, kind of fall back there. I, you know, I think Lamar Miller's dinged up a little bit. I, Houston's just kind of a mess. This is a nice spot for Dallas. I think they continue to establish Zeke. And um, I think a low, low-scoring game here. I don't I don't think you'd be in love with any fantasy option here. Obviously, you got to play Hopkins, D-Hop, and... Um, and Deshaun Watson, but uh, be leery of the overall performances for some of the fringe guys. Now, Steve, what's your thoughts on Dak Prescott, though? Because I know that you have him in our dynasty league. He, you know, two years ago he looked like he was the next star quarterback, and really the last two seasons he struggled. And I think part of that's because he doesn't have a wide receiver. But you know, are you buying or selling uh, Dak at this point? I'm selling Dak. Uh, he's he's turned into more of a game manager than anything else. Um, he doesn't have the best talent around him besides Zeke, but uh, last year we were saying that it was because Zeke wasn't there. Now Zeke's here. We're seeing the same thing. So um, I just don't I, I don't think that he's a top-flight QB. I think he's more of a game manager with some mobile skills. Um, but I'm selling him. In fact, I'm literally trying to sell him right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's tough. I mean, they really have not had a consistent pass catcher at all. I thought Cole Beasley could be that guy. Uh, he, he shined in week one, hasn't done really much since. Alan Hearns hasn't done much either. He kind of squabbled about not getting targets. Then you have rookie Michael Gallup, who's just been there. So, uh, the Jeff best Swain, is they're going to pay Dak and completely screw their roster over um, rather than give him more of a Andy Dalton-type contract. It's going to be f- hilarious when it takes place. And I hope plus, Dak ends with the season with like three big games. That that will just trigger that from from old Double J. Oh, Double J, he's he's willing to he's willing to write that check right now. I mean, he's been he's been he's been itching to do that. So I agree fully with that one, Sean. Uh, all right, Redskins at Saints. I think the big the big takeaway from this is um, Mark Ingram's back, and how does that impact Alvin Kamara? Kamara, like we mentioned, has been the number one running back in fantasy so far this season. If you redrafted today, he's going number one overall over Todd Gurley. But, Sean, is Mark Ingram's return going to take away from any of Alvin Kamara's value? No. Uh, if anything, I think it's it's good for Kamara. He doesn't run into the overuse. Uh, it's going to help spell him a little bit. I think this week, though, it's you got to be very, very cautious if you're expecting big-type production from Ingram this week. I think the bye week allows him to get back. Remember, he was not at the facility or able to be at the facility. That's a big factor. The bye week, they might reset. I think you get a big blast from Kamara now. And then they will try to find spots, but I think the usage 20-20 to is where you'll see Kamara back down at points. But he's too elite inside the 20, and they need to get touchdowns, as I stated earlier. They're in the red zone a lot. They run a lot of plays. I think those plays stay with Alvin Kamara on the field and not Mel, um, Mark Ingram, contrary to the big back mantra and all that nonsense. See, I, I think that 
you know, Kamara just scored a few more touchdowns than I expect early on the season. I just think those opportunities are going to go to Kamara or to Ingram. Not necessarily specific instances where they get within the twenties and they take Kamara out, but both guys have big play potential. Obviously, in that New Orleans offense. So I just think that Ingram might make a play where Kamara might have had the opportunity before, and because of that, you know, I still think Kamara is a top ten running back. For sure, no questions asked. He's an every week starter, no matter who the matchup is. But I just don't see him as being the number one overall guy because he's not going to get 25 touches with Mark Ingram there, especially with Ingram being on a contract season. You know, they they'll run him into the ground. You know, they'll, they'll beat him up. They don't care. The Saints don't have him in their long term plan. So I, I I disagree slightly. Like I said, I still think that Ingram. You're right. I, I kind of agree. Ingram probably Mark is not Ingram's be, a fumbler too. Don't he don't. is he is yep yep. But I don't think Ingram has a big role this week, but I think moving forward he does. Uh, I think he'll have solid RB2 value with some RB1 weeks. Um, But, Steve, you know, again, looking at the Saints, you know, Drew Brees has been fantastic this year. Last year he kind of struggled to put up elite numbers. Do you think that with the dual-headed running back situation we'll start to see, you know, low-end QB1, high-end QB2 numbers from Drew Brees? I don't think he's going to regress – too much. I, I, I'm not in the same place about uh, the Ingram usage. I think this offense is going to continue to run the way they've been running. Um, and I think we're going to see the same production out of Breeze. Michael Thomas is a stud. Kamara is a stud. They're throwing the ball over the field. They're winning games. I don't, I don't see why they would change that just because Ingram's coming back. That's fair. Uh, Sean, on the other side of the ball, the Washington Redskins, we saw them sign a huge con- Alex Smith to a big contract. They gave up a second-round pick for him. And re- he really hasn't gotten going yet, and neither has the, the Redskins offense other than the running backs, Adrian Peterson. Hey, four touchdowns and- in a game a couple weeks ago. Okay, egg on my face. I take that back. However, <laughs> it's Here's not what I'm saying. Off a of bye week, Washington is going to put up points in this game. Uh, especially how they went into the bye week, a little kind of timid. I think they're geared up. I look at their receivers. I think Richardson's a decent little wide receiver three play. I think Crowder gets you wide receiver two numbers this week, finally get, um, or, or kind of finally un, uh, coming up. Reed is a solid play. I know Farky will love to hear that. And, you know, Chris Thompson, you know, in the dome. Uh, and if Peterson's healthy, I think he's, he's big time. I think Smith manages the game. I think we get a little bit of a track meet here potentially. And if anything, the the area that I'd be worried about if I was the same, if if anything, the Washington front seven could give Breeze some fits because they're big and they're big at the tackle spots. They get the push up field. That's the one area that all these shorter passers hate. That's the watch out if I'm the Saints is they're going to have to work on the outsides and they can get a little one dimensional as a result of that. So swing passes and short stuff. To Michael Thomas, uh, Washington's a live play here. Yeah, that's what's kind of getting at. You know, if you thought that maybe that this week could be uh, the week that Smith really does break out. You know, you mentioned he did have the uh, the four touchdown game, which I forgot about. But uh, th- that offense really hasn't produced as well as I thought it would with Alex Smith under center. So uh, I agree, though. If you're betting the over, I'm not sure what the over under is for this game, but I'm probably going to bet the over on it. Things get a lot of points scored. You know, New Orleans defense just really is not what they were last season, and I'm baffled by that. But um, all right, so let's close this episode real quick with a couple trades I want to go through, and then we'll uh, we'll we'll leave it be. Um, you can hit us up on Twitter at Glory Podcast or on Facebook Never Any Glory Podcast. Send us emails at negpodcast at gmail.com. 
any trade questions you might have, we're happy to talk about them. I'll answer them on, on Twitter right away, but we'll also talk about them live real quick here. Um, the first trade is actually one that I made with the Monday Night Man in our league, in, in, a, in a league where I'm, again, down Leonard Fournette. Uh, C.J. Anderson was my RB3, has not worked out very well for me, and uh, Peyton Barber just sucks. He's absolutely terrible. Uh, so I was stuck with Mark Ingram as my starting running back while Fournette's on the bench with the injury, and Corey Grant really hasn't been reliable. Um, Sean, I moved Devontae Adams, who we talked about as being a bona fide wide receiver one, for Brandon Cooks and Austin Eckler. You know, from a value standpoint, where do you where do you see that trade? Good deal for both sides. I think you'll have Cooks where he'll match Adams at points. He's not going to do it consistently or over the long haul. I think you can count on Adams always more. You're always going to want to have him in the lineup over Cooks if you were picking between the two. That said, for what you need and how to balance out and kind of mitigate some of the other issues on your roster. Eckler's a great play, a fantastic RB3 that can fill right into the RB2 um, and, and kind of do so uh, under the radar. He's the old-school theoretic that that just constantly it only runs better and he's more compact and gets more red zone touches. So I think a great deal for both sides, actually. Yeah, and, and also, too, you know, your brother was a little bit hesitant to treat Eckler because if Melvin Gordon does go down, Eckler's got an opportunity to have to put up huge stats, top 10 running back numbers. So uh, we mentioned we like Eckler as a standalone value himself. So um, th- that f- that's a move I feel like I had to make. But, Steve, you are Brandon Cook's owner. I traded him to you in our Dynasty League. Uh, do you kind of feel the same way as Sean? I do feel the same way. I think I prefer it slightly to the Cook's side of the deal, um, although I agree with, with what was said. Devontae Adams is probably a better weekly play than Cook's just because of, of his usage. He gets more targets. Um, and Cooks is fighting for targets. Um, but Cooks is putting up equal or better numbers. Um, and if you really believe Rodgers is, is a sell, then Adams should be a sell too. And so I like it. I like it for the Cooks side. That was kind of what went into uh, my mindset when I was looking at moving Adams. And, you know, I, I'm petrified of, of, of uh, Aaron Rodgers right now. And I mean, but honestly. Devontae Adams is going to catch touchdowns no matter who's throwing the ball. We saw it last last year with Brett Hundley. Um, I think if Dejon Kaiser has to play, then Adams will find ways to score. It won't be pretty, but it'll find ways. So um, I'm happy with the trade. I thought Adams and Cooks would be similar, and then obviously I, I really need Eckler. So it was a move I had to made, uh, much to uh, much similar to Farkey trading Gronk for uh, Jordan Reed and Carlos Hyde, uh, I, I guess, or at least he'll tell us that. Um, next trade was uh, sent to us on Twitter. Guy asked us, would you trade David Johnson and Tyreek Hill for Alvin Kamara? Uh, Sean, what's your thoughts too, on this? Too rich. Uh, the Tyreek Hill, I would absolutely do David Johnson. I would get Kamara, want Kamara over David Johnson. Uh, but paying the freight with Tyreek Hill is too much for me. Uh, if they threw in with Kamara, maybe a receiver back, something to offset that. But that's two premium starters uh, for one what I consider a super premium, but I see others seeing is just a similar premium. Steve? Uh, I definitely agree. I think, you know, if you were to make that trade right now, you're you're moving Johnson at a low point, and he's not at his actual value. Uh, giving up Johnson and Hill for Kamara seems like too much. Yeah, I'd like to disagree with you fellows to make it more interesting, but I can't. Um, you know, if, say, Mark Ingram weren't in the equation – and it was just Kamara putting up 25, 30 points a game, I might say, yeah, you know, I'd make that trade. But it's really tough to, to move uh, a 
potential top five wide receiver like Tyreek Hill, as well as a, a top potential top five like David Johnson for for an Alvin Kamara. So uh, unless you have just amazing drafting skills and, and you're you got three wide receiver twos on the bench, then and maybe you consider it. But other than that, definitely not worth it. A little bit too rich. Try to get a little something back uh, in that trade. So. Um, all right, so we talked about week four briefly. We broke down all of week five, and, of course, we took a look at a few trade scenarios. So, like I said, feel free to send those out to us through social media, through email, um, and, you know, follow us on Twitter at Glory Podcast, on Facebook, Never Ending Glory Podcast. Search for us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. Subscribe to us on the iTunes app. Rate us five stars. The more you rate us, the more we'll get, uh, you know, sponsorships and the, the more money we'll make and, you um, yeah, just the more dumb, fat, and happy we'll be. So uh, check out our blog, www.negpodcast.com, for pretty much daily articles to help you win your fantasy football league. And uh, check out the college f- football pod that Sean's going to be recording now over at NEG Pod CFB. And we have a lot coming down the pipeline, some big opportunities coming up here at the Never Ending Glory Podcast. So you know, b- feel free to, to jump on the train early so you can uh, you know say you were cool and here when we first started before we make it uh, to all become multimillionaires by talking about a fake, fake sport. So... Uh, gentlemen, I'll leave you guys with this. Got anything else to say before we uh, close this episode? Nope. I'm on my way to go trade Antonio Brown as we speak. <laughs> Sean, what do you got? Anything? Nope. All right. We lost Sean. All right. So, good luck in your week five fantasy football matches. And, uh, you know, like I said, feel free to, to hit us up with any questions you might have. But until then, uh, Godspeed and good luck. And we'll talk to you guys next week.